It's Weekend Update, Summer Edition, with Colin Jost and Michael Chang. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing the first episode of Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update, Summer Edition, with Colin Jost and Michael Che. I'm John Murray, and joining me this week is Steve Fitt. Steve is the host of Transparency on CHMR 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland. You can connect with Steve on Facebook at Transparency CHMR. And you can connect with us at snlafterparty.fm. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. These reviews help us to get the word out, and they're greatly appreciated. All right, so let's just jump right in. Yeah. Yeah, Jostin Che's opening salvo. It entered with a lot more energy than usual, mm-hmm. but that's only because Weekend Update doesn't usually start off the show when we're actually watching SNL. Right. And, um, you know, they had some great jokes right off the bat. Yeah, no, this was surprisingly strong. I wasn't really sure what it was, but it, it felt kind of electric. Like the audience was really pumped. They obviously came out confident and high energy and they weren't fumbling. There was just, there was nothing awkward. They didn't, they didn't feel like they weren't confident in the material. They came out looking like they were just going to own it. And I kind of felt like they did. Absolutely. Everything about it was very, very smooth and, and just really, really well presented. Yes. That that's kind of always been one of my critiques of weekend update, mainly uh, Michael Che, because sometimes he gets a little fumbly if he's not really confident in the material, but I didn't see any of that. This, this just felt really, really strong. It was, and arguably they could have had more time to prepare and more manpower focusing on weekend update than usual. Right. Where it's now the only facet of the show for, you know, a couple of episodes in August. Yeah. I think you're probably right that they had a bit more prep time. They had all of the news from the summer to draw on. It didn't have to be anything that just happened in the last five days. So all the more reason why they could find some really strong material and have enough time to polish it up. Felt good. Felt really good. Absolutely. I thought that Che's little run there on the immigration bill was probably the strongest part of the opening salvo. He leads it off with this idea that the statue of Liberty, uh, she's gotten kind of bougie. She used to be, accommodating and willing to take all the huddled masses, but now she's got high standards. That was really strong. Like that's, that's Che stand up level stuff. So I feel like he was probably pretty proud of that. Yeah. It, it was very much Che and it's this type of humor that, um, makes him not the tightest ally with, with the left. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he, uh, he's always, uh, overstepping boundaries and as a guy who can laugh at pretty much anything, I'm all for it. And you know, who are we, if we can't be challenged. That's really the edge that Che brings to Weekend Update. Yeah, yeah, some some irreverence at the desk. Let's look at our first feature. We get Mikey Day and Alex Moffat. They come out as Eric and Donald, and they're there to discuss the president's accomplishments. We we spoke very highly of <laughs> yep. uh, the first time we saw these uh, Trump kids at the Weekend Update desk. Yeah, probably one of our favorite new characters from last season. Right. It's also probably a good sign for the featured players. I don't think anybody was worried about Mikey Day, mm-hmm. but it's safe to say that Alex Moffat is is going to be back uh, this season. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a poor taste for them to pull him in in August if, like, in a week or two, they're going to announce the firings. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would be kind of a dick move on the part of the show. So we we knew that Alex Moffat was safe. There's no way that you can come out and have like a hit character that's part of the administration that you're going to want as part of the show for at least the next four years. There's no way that they're going to let him go for anything less than you know, like 
firing a gun on <laughs> 8H or something. But yes, yes, this is good reassurance that Alex is going to be back for 43. And I'm happy. Like, like you said, we gave him really high marks in our uh, recap cast uh, back in June. So yeah, good news. Yeah. So the only one we're not sure of now is uh, Melissa. Uh, we'll see if she uh, sticks around. Yeah. I mean, if she shows up at the desk in one of the next few weekend update episodes, that would be a, a good signal that she's still in the fold. We're hopeful. We're still, uh, still rooting for her. Absolutely. Aside from just the meta of loving that Mikey day and Alex Moffat are back. What did we think of the part? Was this strong? Really good stuff. And you know, these two guys, Mikey and Alex, they play off each other so well. They have to depend on each other to <laughs> feel the timing right. of their own respective gags. I'm not sure because I don't know their histories too well, but they must have worked together in the past or I'd be very surprised if they didn't. I don't believe they have. Now, I mean, I can't say that emphatically because people cross paths all the time, but I don't think they were ever officially in a troop together. But I, I actually had a very similar thought to, to what you're sort of poking at here. There was uh, a point in this where Alex Moffat is fixated on the fidget spinner and Mikey day has to continue running his lines, like basically having the commentary with Jost and trying to push forward through it while the audience is locked on Alex Moffat because he's providing all the visual jokes. He's smart enough to know that nobody's listening to him. Exactly. In those couple of uh, seconds. And there's, there's a certain talent to that, to pulling back your performance but making sure that you push that forward so that as Alex is now moving through his material, you're ready to, you know, jump in and give him his next bit to, to run with. So uh, there has to be a lot going on in Mikey day's head for him to be able to keep pace and push through that material and make it all coalesce the way that it, it needs to, for all that to feel tight and feel fun. Yeah, man. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Just one of those small little performance things that in the moment you're not really picking up on. Cause all you're doing is watching Alex. But if you go back and rewatch it and only focus on what Mikey's doing, you can see the gears turning. Like there's, there is a lot that he has to manage and control so that Alex can be so funny at that moment. And I really thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real beauty in making this sketch work. Yeah. So I'm going to say that this is probably, in my opinion, the strongest Eric and Donald segment we've gotten so far, including everything from 42. Right. The last time they did it, it really, it really worked as well. I was just feeling like there was a bit more depth to the characterization this time around. And that's just because the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with it. So I just feel like these are getting better each time, which is so rare, so rare when you see something recur at the update desk and the next outing is better than the previous one. That almost never happens. Yeah. And I just loved when Eric brought out his, uh, his hotel that he built himself. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the sense of pride on his face. He was so happy and pleased with himself in that moment, showing off his work. <laughs> yeah. So he, I feel like I'm getting to know Eric as like a 10 year old child that I'm bonding with like a big brother or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a a sincere performance that he's giving that you can't help but have a little bit of affection for the guy. <laughs> yeah, the real Eric Trump is probably like being treated more gently and with uh <laughs> with more tact now that it, people are are comparing him to what SNL envisions him as. Yeah, it's it is funny that sometimes the fictitious version of a character 
warms people to the real version. The obviously the famous case of that people will say that Will Ferrell softened George W. Bush. We could be getting some of that. Yeah. And even Donald Jr. is likable because he's like showing patience and, and he's nice to his brother who's yes. clearly mentally deficient. <laughs> and he, and he takes the time to like, to help him out. Yeah. They have an exceptionally warm and functional relationship. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's the big, he's the perfect big brother to him. This is, this is just a fantastic, uh, duo that they've stumbled upon here. Yeah. 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 It's, it's too good. Uh, yeah. Super high praise for this. Yeah. And then he winked. And then he winked. Um, and just to beat a dead horse, a little bit more praise for Alex Moffat. When they start, Donald is doing all the talking and Alex is just kind of standing there or sitting there. He doesn't have anything to contribute to the conversation, obviously, but he starts to pantomime sort of what Donald Jr. is doing. And you can tell that I think what Alex was going for there was if you watch a toddler just kind of off in the corner of a room playing by themselves, if the adults start doing something and the toddler kind of dials in on it, they will start mimicking. They don't know the words. They don't know what the, what's going on in the scene, (laughs) but they they're intuitively, they want to learn and absorb and participate. And so they do kind of gesture and just try to play the part a little bit. I've seen that with my own kids. So the fact that Alex, I, I don't know if he picked up on it or if this is something that the writers handed to him, but somewhere along the line, Someone figured out that another fun way to help him uh, come across as a, you know, an, an infantile kind of personality is to give him this desire to keep pace with the grownups, even though he has nothing that he can contribute. He just, he wants to be there participating in the only way that he can. And that's, it it plays really sincere. And I just, I really connected with it as a father. I think maybe that's, I may be imposing a little more on it than some people would, but I think that's probably what they were going for. And if it was, then another great little bit of performance that I I can't applaud enough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So jumping back to now, Joseph and Che, they go off on a second run of jokes right in the middle. Che in keeping with the really strong bit that he has from the first one, the immigration bill, he has another little um, run of jokes about the Baltimore police. And and it's all kind of based around the premise of what does a cop have to do to just get fired on the spot? And I thought that that again is very sharp commentary, like a really strong point to be made. But the the real trick is to find a way to take something sharp like that and poignant and still find the joke and still make it funny first and foremost. And I felt like he did a really good job uh, with that run. So that that's my high praise for the second section of of straightforward jokes. But yeah, and it's it's definitely a hot topic when it comes to uh, political discussions within the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was a it was a very sharp point to make. And I thought that they made it well and they, they found the funny in it. And that to me is that's a win. The emoji movie uh, joke was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. It was, you know, one of those shock punchlines that worked so well. Yeah. Well constructed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just wish movies like this never got made <laughs> and I hope it's not doing too well in the box office. Cause like, Oh, it can't be. It can't <sighs> be. I remember watching the trailer for that and they couldn't even find anything slightly amusing to fill out two minutes of trailer material. So I knew that movie was going to be dismally bad. And uh, I'm sure I'm absolutely sure that it's tanking. Yeah. And you're going to find a lot of people masturbating in these theaters. (laughs) If this is, these are the kinds of movies you're going to make, it's going to be the most enjoyable thing. Yeah. If you can't hold their attention, people got to do something with their time. You you paid 20 bucks to be in that theater. You got to put two and two together and get your money's worth. Uh, That was a fun bit, but yeah, I I don't know if that's going to make it. So let's, Let's talk a little bit about Bill Hader showing up FaceTime call with Anthony, the Mooch Scaramucci. 
do you feel like this was a sharp take on Scaramucci, even though we've only, you know, had a fleeting amount of time to get to know the guy? Well, yeah. I mean, if only you heard was the name Scaramucci, <laughs> I mean, it's so Italian. It would be her not to end up going with like kind of a gangster type. Sure. Uh, to, to characterize the mooch. Right. I mean, he's even got that, that cool gangster nickname. So what, what did you think of, of haters take on him though? Was this, was this fun? Really fun. I really like how they went with this character kind of leaning into what he should be regretful about. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like he's still very much full of himself and very full of pride. And like, he's bragging, (laughs) but he's talking about like all of the decisions that he made that now in hindsight, uh, were definitely not worth it. Yeah. I guess, you know, they, they thought, what do you do with someone who crashed and burned that quickly? You know, give him a smug attitude in order to save face. Mm -hmm. So like just hearing from the news and, and knowing the whole story from start to finish, which is like, geez, not enough for milk to expire. (laughs) This is a, a pretty, pretty organic character to come up with. Yeah. It was a fun take. It was good material. Like you said, you've got him being all like obnoxiously bombastic and proud and just completely keeping up the persona of the mooch. Yeah. Even though, yeah, he was a uh, king of idiot mountain for only 11 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was good. It was good. Moving on. Keenan Thompson shows up as LA Laker Lanzo Ball's father, LaVar Ball. I don't really follow pro basketball, so I don't know really where the story is behind this. Any insights on why this made the cut? Uh, no, not before watching it. Uh, I had to do a little research. So let's hit this from another angle then, because weekend update needs to be accessible to everyone. So even if you don't know the story behind the feature, you should still be able to walk away being amused just by the performance of it or just, you know, the, the, the back and forth that they have and, and the story that unfolds at the desk. So without really any great insights, and I don't have any myself as a piece, did you think that there was anything here that was working for you? Yeah. Keenan was was great. Uh, I liked his little uh, dance move to take the, uh, <laughs> the the shoe back. The shoes yeah. back, yeah. I mean, I looked it up. Those shoes are actually going for $495. Okay. That is in no way an exaggeration. That's how much those shoes cost. That is ridiculous. And that guy, LeVar, um, LeVar Ball, has been quoted as saying it's just glue and thread, basically. So <laughs> admitting there's nothing very special about them. They're just jacked up. For no reason. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. But about the performance, yeah. Keenan was absolutely great. I'd say that's why they created this character with, with Keenan in mind, because we know everybody just loves watching him do his thing. Right, right. So even if you if you don't follow sports, you know, you're going to enjoy what Keenan does. Right, right. Because it's so palatable. Yep. No, it was an obvious fit for him, and he brings some energy and, and feistiness to it that it works. I knew nothing about what they were talking about, but I was still just amused with just Keenan's amusement. You know, he's sitting there and he's just giving off an energy of, I just know how to make this stuff fun. Yeah, man. And so I, I, I got that sense from him and for that, it, it worked. Totes. Okay. Now we get another run of jokes. I felt like Che again. I think this was his night. Che, I, th- I think his delivery tonight was maybe the best I've ever seen. Good material, well-delivered, really polished, and just really uh, good energy. Sometimes he's a little too laid back, and the jokes just, they, they just don't quite get there because he just hasn't really found how to sting it. And uh, tonight, it was, it was all there. Yeah. Yep. Definitely peak attitude out of uh, Chayden tonight. 
Yeah. When he's able to dial it up a little bit and bring a little bit more attitude, I think that's when some of this material works better. And he, he got it. He got it tonight. Yeah. Then we get into Leslie Jones. She has been working on her beach body and she wants to talk about it. She is looking great. She is. Yeah. I don't follow her on social media, so I don't watch these gym videos that she says she posts, but <laughs> she does. That wasn't a bit. She really does. She really does. She's getting the Obama arms. <laughs> she had a joke right in the middle there where she says, I want the dude at the mortuary to be like, and then she like gives a look of contemplating doing something particularly egregious to a corpse. Uh, that that's a solid joke and her delivery, you know, with that Leslie Jones over the top style that, that really hit. I thought that was a strong joke. Yeah. And then she has to walk it back. Not that he'd do it, but just, I want him to think about it. You know, that's, that's good material. So I, I thought that, uh, this was some strong stuff from her. Mostly, um, it, it wasn't like end to end flawless. It wasn't peak Leslie Jones, but I thought it was pretty good stuff. Yep. You can tell by the way she riffs on booty water that she can, <laughs> she can get material out of pretty much any concept, any thought that goes through her head. And that's what it makes her great for, uh, for, you know, rapid fire, uh, live comedy. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, that's our show moment of the night. It's gotta be Alex Moffat as Eric <laughs> when Mikey day spins the spinner for him. And he just loses his mind. He's even looking into the audience and saying, are you seeing this? <laughs> yep. That was hands down probably the funniest bit. Uh, I'm, I'm suspecting you're going to pick it too as your moment of the night. I, I was. And I, I'm surprised that you focused in on that like exact moment too, because there was so much strong material in their, their feature that there's a lot you could point to. But yeah, for me, I was thinking the exact same thing. The second that that fidget spitter started spinning and it was all he could do to contain his excitement. And he's even like going, he's looking at Josie. He's like, are you seeing this? <laughs> you know, like this, this just blew his mind. Colin. <laughs> yeah. That was a lot of fun and it was totally perfect for the character. And just, yeah, it was, it was great. Very amusing. That was my moment of the night. So uh, no controversy there. Best overall feature. For me, I think the best feature was probably um, Eric and Donald. Yep. I agree. It was just, it was the most fun of the evening for me. So yeah, it's getting my best uh, feature as well. MVP. You know what? I think our MVP was Michael Che tonight. Yeah. I can respect that. You know, he was high energy. He was uh, really getting into everything. It was definitely a good showing for him. Yeah. If this is what it's going to be like going forward in season 43, it's going to be a great season for a weekend update. See, the shame of this is when they have, you know, all hands on deck just to make weekend update great in these summer specials, it sets the bar high. So when we go back into the regular season and we end up with a weekend update that is cobbled together with minimal resources and only a couple writers and a couple features, and it just, it's run of the mill weekend update. I wonder if it's going to feel a little more disappointing when they're not you know, really firing a hundred percent. And there is some fumbling if it's just going to be more punctuated because we've seen how good it can be now. <laughs> uh, I hope that's not the case. And, and you know what, maybe this just helps them to up their game and figure out some better rhythms going into 43. So they can keep the quality high. I don't know how all that's going to pan out, but it could go either way. I mean, it, it could feel like a disappointment when we get back to business as usual, but right now, I've seen for the first time, like the perfect weekend update that I've been waiting to see from Colin and Che for a few seasons now. And I'm really happy to see it. I just don't know. I don't know how they maintain it. <laughs> That's my big question. Well, we'll see because you know how the budget's broken down. It's going to be a little bit different after we lost some uh, veterans like Bobby, Vanessa, you know, over their tenure, their salaries were going up and up. Mm -hmm. Now that 
we have a younger cast on average, there might be a little bit more money to throw some more manpower at that part of the show. Could be. Yeah. We don't know how they're going to slice and dice uh, their resources. It's just really nice to see that it can be great. And I really just hope to see more of it. We'll just, we'll leave it on an enthusiastic note and just hope that they can keep this train rolling for my MVP though. I'm going to give it to Alex Moffat because I've officially veered into man crush territory. Now Uh, we liked him a lot last season, but uh, I feel like he is uh, distinguished himself among even the repertory players now with how brilliant some of his comedic timing and some of his characterizations are. Uh, I think that what he did tonight was just fantastic and made that sketch, you know, so much better. Mikey day, you know, deserves applause too, but I don't think we have to cut Mikey day quite as much slack because he's been in the game a little bit longer. Uh, I just, I feel like this is surprisingly good work from Alex Moffat this early in his run on SNL. And uh, I want to applaud it. So he's my MVP respect. Yeah. Props on a scale of classic, great, good, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? What the hell is this good? <laughs> so <laughs> you're throwing me a curveball here. I am, but I'm, I'm hoping it's an improvement because a lot of the trouble we got into last season with our ratings is that typical, that word typical, it's a loaded word because it doesn't just mean average or middle of the road. It means like there's almost like nothing is distinguished or there's, there's nothing special about the episode. So it would tend to skew our ratings. Like you don't want to say something's typical because maybe it did have one or two fantastic moments. And so we would be more quick to go to great because it it just wasn't conveying maybe what we were thinking we wanted to say about the episode. So I've decided after much hullabaloo and a lot of pressure from our (laughs) growing listenership that typical is the wrong word for our scale. So we're switching to good. It's not a, as fun a word, but hopefully it allows us to be more objective and, um, just be more appropriate with where things should fall because we're not worried about a loaded word that could mean different things. Bollocks. Yeah, (laughs) maybe, but now this is what you've got it done. You've changed typical to good. Yes. So now, I got to go between good and weak. There's nothing in between. Yeah. And so it's something's either good or it's weak. Yes. And that's as close as I get. Yeah. If anything, you should have added good in there. So it'd be classic, great, good, typical, weak train wreck. No, no, no. It, we have to fall on one side of the line. This is a thumbs up, thumbs down situation here. You look at an episode and you say, this was either worth tuning into or it wasn't. That's the line between good and weak. A weak episode, take it or leave it. A good episode. Yeah. Stay up. Watch the show. It was good. God, you're such a Monica. <laughs> well, I, we're, 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 we're learning here. I'm willing to try new things and try and, uh, you know, get this rating system to something that people can understand if they're just kind of tuning in for the first time. And for whatever reason, as much as I harped on typical is not a naughty word. Typical is not a naughty word. People hear the word typical and they're like, man, I don't want to just tune in for a typical episode. <laughs> So that we we were getting a lot of pushback on that. And I'm, I'm trying to do my best to find something that provides the most value to our listeners. All right. So what do you think? Classic, great, good week or train wreck? Yeah. Let's give it a, let's give it a great rating. Yep. I agree. This was the first time that I watched a Jost and Che weekend update and felt like it went toe to toe with the best offerings of Seth Meyers. Yeah. So I, I, I can't peg it any better than that. It was genuinely great. And we've, we haven't seen a lot of that from Joseph and Jay. So I, I think it definitely is a standout and, and deserves, deserves that rank. Yeah. All right. That's a cast. 
Thanks to my guest, Steve Finn. You can connect with Steve on Facebook at TransparencyCHMR. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can learn more about all the ways you can support our cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back next week to discuss SNL's second episode of Weekend Update Summer Edition. This has been episode number 25 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Join us next Thursday for another Weekend Update Summer Edition. For Weekend Update, I'm Michael Che. I'm Colin Jones. Good night. President Trump announced his support for a new immigration policy that would favor people who speak English and have higher education or well-paying job offers. Well-paying job offers? Damn, when did the Statue of Liberty get so bougie? <laughs> she used to be desperate, like, send me your poor, you're tired, anybody, I just need a man, Lord. <laughs> now she's on tender, like, he's got to be rich and smart and light-skinned and 6'4". <laughs> I'm listening to that list like, bitch, you ain't China. You better swipe right on that day laborer with a good personality.